Hello, listeners. We recorded a really good episode. Now you can keep playing Hades in the background. I should probably not play Hades in the background. We've recorded a really nice episode. Very insightful um, podcast about Critical Role. The Legend of Vox Machina. Available now on Amazon Prime. Uh, we recorded with the wrong damn microphone. So we sanded the edges a little bit. But it is going to sound a little bit like a podcast from, like, 2016. <laughs> and there's just nothing we can do about that. Um, because we can't work miracles. We could Nick Brecken it. We're not going to Nick Brecken it. So please bear with it. It's a little quieter than usual. It's a little... It's a little more like this, a little bit. But um, I think it's still listenable. Mostly... And I think that the content is good. Mostly the content is good. Mostly the content is good. We talk about Critical Role and then dying. Mm -hmm. So. um, I hope you enjoy. Or endure. This episode of Export Audio. Till we reach the top, two by two we fall. Will we meet our friend or meet our destiny? Hold your breath and roll. How do you want to do this? It's Thursday night. All ye critters, come join us. It's time to continue our play. There is magic and mystery. Who knows what will happen? He might. Share the same goal Adding more allies Taking more chances Hold your breath and roll It's Thursday night All ye critters come join us It's time to continue our plan There is magic and mystery From darkness our friendship will rise Sure, we never give up on the fight. Oh, get ready. It's Thursday night. Are we just podcasting? It's fine if we are. I just wanted to know. I don't know. You want to podcast? Podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Export Audio. I'm Autumn. That's Nora. That's right. Uh, we watched one of the worst television shows I've ever seen. I think this is, like, too boring to be that terrible. You know what I mean? Like, this I, isn't fucking Sherlock, you know? Like, there's no, uh, yeah. there's no, like, deep well of, oh my god, I can't believe they're doing this bullshit kind of, like, terrible. Yeah. I'm going to mute my uh, notifications real quick. You want to just mute your laptop, maybe? Yeah, that's a good idea. Anyway, um... Uh, like, yeah, there's, no, no, there's yeah. nothing to find when you dig into it. Yeah, no, you're at... I think you're right. I think there are worse TV shows. 
Critical Role just fucking boring. Okay, well, to, to be clear, The Legend of Vox Machina. Critical Role, colon, The Legend of Vox Machina. Which is a show written, that seems to be aimed at fans of Harmontown's D&D segments. Didn't they do animated versions of that? Didn't they do they an animated... Harmon Quest, which was Harman a TV Quest. show. It was a hybrid, them playing at the table, and animated like bits of their game. Oh, okay. Well, okay. But I, I have a comment about that. Mm-hmm. But before I do... Um, I'll just give a little more introduction because this is, you know, the free podcast. Maybe we have, maybe we have someone who follows us on Twitter and has never actually listened to Export Audio. Maybe uh, you're a critical role person or a recovering critical role person, and you saw what this podcast was about, and you're yeah. like, I want to know what that is because I don't have Amazon Prime. We don't either. My mom does, and my it, account it, is linked to hers. Otherwise, so. I would have just stolen it, but yeah, it's fine. Anyway, um, it was convenient to put it up on the TV. You really give it the the presentation <laughs> it deserves. I said I wanted interest of you. Really. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Um, so yeah, we watched. Um, I'm on them. That's Nora. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I just. I was trying okay. to get into a rhythm. Um, if yeah, if this is your first time here. This is Export Audio. We just kind of talk about whatever. Um, and um, today we we're talking about the first three episodes. That's what that's what I specifically wanted to say. Because, you know, maybe you're listening to this at some later date. We are only talking about the first three episodes of that Critical Role TV show. Because that's all that's out so far. That's the point I wanted to hit. Okay. There I will feel... be another podcast for the next three. And I don't know for I... sure that Autumn will be on it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, there might be another podcast for the next three. I don't know if I have the... the. I need to roll a constitution check to see if I can show up for three check more. Check for a saving throw. Are saving you getting attacked? I don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons. Ask me anything. About Is this an active thing, or are you reacting to something being forced upon you? If it's a reaction, you do a saving throw to represent how well you cope with something coming up. If it's a check, it's to check your ability against something else to see if you're actively doing something. Well, so today, or for, for this set of episodes... Get your joke right. Is it a saving throw or not? For this set of episodes, it was a constitution check, because you and I made a plan, and I had to, I had to push it off one day. I was like, oh, I feel really miserable today. I can't watch the Critical Role show. <laughs> but I had to make a plan to watch the Critical Role show. Um, the next time, if I watch any more of this show... It will almost certainly be, hi, honey, I'm home. Hey, you want to watch Critical Role? <laughs> and I'll have to make a constitution saving throw in that moment to decide. You're going to be like, let me get my weed. No, I'm not getting high next time I watch this. When I get high, time passes a little slower. Like, I just kind of perceive time more slowly. Um, I, Oh, my God, I was in hell. They're 27-minute episodes. They're... I okay. I got back into Arrow this week. Um, Arrow has forty-five minute episodes that are so much shorter than the twenty-seven minute episodes of Critical Role. God, they're just interminable. I would like to. Hear and they, you know what? The Critical Role show 
would benefit from commercial breaks. So I feel some sense of progress. Oh, okay. We hit the halfway mark. Okay. <laughs> um, I want to hit you with some numbers. Okay. Hit me with some numbers. First, let's talk about the events of the show real quick. Yeah, yeah. Let's summarize. First two episodes, Vox Machina is a band of mercenaries. They're hired to track down this monster and kill it. Turns out to be a dragon. Turns out to be a member of the council on Iman, which is a, a big city mm-hmm. called Krieg. I think he's General Krieg. He turns mm-hmm. out to be the blue dragon, Brimsythe. Mm-hmm. They kill him. At the end of episode two, the uh, Lord and Lady Briarwood are coming in from Whitestone toward Iman. Episode 3 begins that storyline with them showing up to dinner at a big fancy thing uh, and Percy causing a scene. Percy is revealed to have been the uh, sole remaining heir of a family that was ousted from Whitestone by the Briarwoods. That's the end of the third episode. Can I? Because you are sort of, you know, recovering or recovered Critical Role fan. Sure. So I, I... as the new girl in town, can I try to yeah. introduce all our characters to you? Because everybody's yeah. kind of playing stock characters. Do you want me to give you a character and you intro them? No, 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 because I'm going to also have to try to remember their names. Okay. Do you okay. want me to show you a picture, or do you want to just completely freeball this? Um, I'm going to freeball. If I need hints, I'll ask. Okay. Um, can you tell me how many characters there are so I can make sure I don't miss anyone? I think there's seven. There's seven. Okay. You've got Drog. The half-orc, he's dumb. He's kind of like, he's, you know what he is? Is he's that one guy from Guardians of the Galaxy who doesn't know what sarcasm is? He's kind of that. Um, you have Vex, who is a half-elf ranger lady. She gets headaches when dragons are up here, and she's kind of like the serious one. She's like, kind of, sort of the leader, I think. You've got Vax, who is the half-elf guy, who is her brother, twin brother? I think just brother. No, twin brother, twin brother. And and Vax's trait is that he is a rogue, and that is his trait, I think. Um, uh, uh, there's the redhead who's scared of things and can't hold her liquor. And her name is... Anyway, there's there's uh, Scanlan, the, no, the, uh, the halfling. Scanlan loves to fuck and loves to rap and... Uh, do songs that just, even if they're not explicitly racist, just kind of have, just kind of feel racist. Just kind of like, just feel racist. I don't know. This is just a way that like white people rap sometimes where you're like, are you just like making fun of rap music? Because that's kind of racist. <laughs> um, And also he loves talking about Paint and cunnilingus. Uh, <laughs> and then we have Everlight, the halfling priest, 
No. No, she's a cleric of Everlight. And her name is... Her name is something... She definitely has a name. <laughs> and her traits are that she's a cleric, but she sort of has doubts either about herself or about her faith because someone asks her like hey can you like bless our house and she's like uh yeah 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 uh uh the house is blessed she doesn't like i don't know she doesn't seem like a good cleric this is not really explored in any way that means anything to me so far um and her other characteristic is that the rest of them are, are kind of just in it for the money and she's like actually the good person who's like hey this whole town might get slaughtered by a dragon if we don't do something. And everybody else is like, okay, that's not our problem. And then everybody else sees that the town got slaughtered, and they're like, oh, well, we have to do something now. <laughs> um, and then the last one is Percy, who has a stupid haircut. Um, you can call it that. And he's a posh lad. Um, with a gun. And? Glasses. And? Oh, yeah, he's got a mask that makes him, <laughs> that makes him the Joker. <laughs> so, first of all, his name is Grog. Not I... Drog. <laughs> he's not a half-orc, although Travis did play a half-orc in the following season. He's a Goliath, which is a D&D &D race. Of vaguely bluish, really big people. I'm not. Um, I didn't know that. I know. I'm giving myself credit for that because if I had known that Goliaths were a D and D race, I probably would have known that that was supposed to be a Goliath. Keyleth is the druid. Right. Yeah. Pike is the gnome. Yeah. Okay. Um. Also, it's very funny. Pike is a cleric of Serenray. Saren Ray is a Pathfinder god. Uh, I think they changed the name in the comic and in this, but maybe to different things. I have to check, and I don't want to. But the Everlight is what she's a cleric of currently in this show, whatever the fuck that is. Mm -hmm. But originally she was just cleric of a sun goddess. Okay. Your typical blasting undead and healing people yeah. type of D&D &D god. Makes sense. Healing, you know. Yeah. Um, so here's some stats. Critical Role Campaign 1 has about 373 hours of gameplay. 400-something uh -huh. hours of streaming. Mm -hmm. A big chunk of that campaign was played in Pathfinder before they started the, the streams. Yeah. The first two episodes of this show happened before the stream started. The Briarwood events in this uh, original story started in episode 24. Okay. So there are two arcs that they completely just dropped that might have, you know, given you time to meet the characters... Yeah. Giving you time to understand the world before throwing you into Percy's backstory arc. Which is what people used to say to skip to. Mm -hmm. But 
it's just wild to me that they had this opportunity to like iron out their story into like a structured and paced thing. <coughs> and like I assume they're going to just do most of this story, which is, you know, um, 115 streams of three or four hours each. Mm-hmm. Because, like, they might... I could see them getting through three of the five big arcs in one season. Uh-huh. How many episodes is this first season going to be? Twelve. Christ. They can probably wrap up the Briarwoods in three episodes. Mm-hmm. I assume that's where the halfway point of the season is. Yeah. But after that is the Chroma Conclave... Which is the really big, like, status quo change, like, halfway through the, the campaign. Mm-hmm. But they're just going to do that in season one. Oh, you don't think maybe they're going to try and, like, end season one with that or something? I mean, they don't have nine episodes of Briarwoods. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. So unless they intentionally pull some of that earlier stuff into this, it doesn't make sense. Like, the whole structure of this show is not what I thought it was going to be. Mm. I thought it was either going to be a reboot, where they, like, start from scratch. Here's, like, we're going to readapt kind of some of the stuff that wasn't on the stream. Going to build up to a cleaner version of this overarching story. And maybe they can do that, because, you know, it did take hundreds of hours to tell this story the first time. Mm. But the result seems to be almost like a theme park ride. Yeah, that was how I felt about it. Um, All of the characters are very, like, stock characters. You have the dumb, brutish barbarian. You have the bard who um, is just here for a good time. You have the cleric who, you know, has her doubts. You know, very, like, Normal the, the, fantasy tropes. But Pike is also the one drinking and chugging with Grog and like not understanding social cues because she's friends with Grog. Yeah. They kind of grew up together. Yeah, but... The, <clears throat> but like... For the most part, these characters are very like fantasy tropes and maybe those fantasy tropes are mixed and matched around. Um, and all of that is like totally fine when you're playing D&D with your buddies. It's totally fine when you're playing D&D with your buddies to an audience of like a bunch of people because the sort of appeal isn't necessary. It's, it's, oh, I'm kind of invested in the story and I'm invested in these characters, but so much of that investment comes from I'm spending time with these friends every week. And I, and you know, the, the stunt character bits are placeholders. Yeah. Because when you're playing a character in a game, you will have like plenty of moments where you just like go with the thing that this ca- type of character says. Right. And then you have plenty of other moments that are, like, tailored for your version of that character. Uh-huh. But when you're writing this TV show, you have to, like, communicate the broad strokes quickly to move toward the plot. Right. And so, like, like it's kind of fine when, like, a, a, a D&D stream is very, like you know, tropey, cliche fantasy stuff, because that's not like, the appeal is not, the appeal of that is very different from, you know, a Brandon Sanderson book, which is like, I'm going to try and do my my thing, my new thing in fantasy. Like, I'm going to try and put my own twist on it. This doesn't have any sort of like, 
unique twist to fantasy things. Like this does not That's seem this does not seem like appreciably different to me from Avatar, Korra. I haven't seen Arcane, but I assume Arcane is kind of like like this a little mm. bit. Um, Castlevania. Like, oh, there's a lot of, like, fantasy shows right now. And this doesn't have, like, a unique story to pitch it. What it has is seven goddamn main characters. Plus all the ancillary, like, oh, here's the little, you know, Lord of the Town, and here's the bad guy. There's too many... Here's Gilmore, your favorite. Here's too many people to try to get to know in a very short amount of time. And, um... Like the other, the other main appeal is that the little gnome man sings a song about anal beads, and the little halfling man sings a song about anal beads, and, and the the you know big British guy calls someone a taint smear, and you know they're they're getting drinking and barfing and and Rick and Morty stuff, you know, it's, I, yeah, it, it's. Yeah. And it's just like it's weird because there's so many of jokes like that because that's who these players were, right? But they're not canon. There are so many like hazy instances of like because it's a tabletop game, the line between canon and joke is completely blurred. Right. Where like you can have asides where people do bits in the show that don't reflect on the actual show. Or influence the tone of the show because they're just asides. You're just having fun at the table. You're not like yeah. taking a moment away from this scene to do an anal bead song. Which is why uh, what I said last night is that there should be a framing device. There should literally be cutaways to the the. I almost said the friends at the table. <laughs> just meaning the the. The people playing the game, sitting at the table. Like, you should see Matt Mercer DM this game, you know? Then you'd be complaining about having to see Matt Mercer DM this game. But at least... <laughs> yeah. It would do a service to the to the show. Because I think a lot of the, like, tropiness, the cliche... I think if you have the framing device of cutting back to all the friends joking uh, joking around... I think all of that's fine because it sort of invites you into the initial appeal of the streams of I'm going to hang out with these people that I like and I'm going to watch them, you know, tell the story that I'm interested in, which is apparently one what Harmon Quest is, which I didn't know. It's funny <laughs> that I just came up with Harmon Quest <laughs> um, and two is kind of what those Adventure Zone comics do. And I can't. Yes. Uh, it's weird to say this, but the Adventure Zone comics are way better than this. <laughs> I would so much rather be watching an Adventure Zone show. The other thing that the Adventure Zone has is that there are only three player characters. I okay, and also Griffin never plays more than one character at a time. So yeah. I, and Max in that thing, you've got like five guys on screen, right? Like <laughs> uh, you know. I used to really like the Macalords. And every now and then, if you and I are driving somewhere, we will put on an episode of Mabim Bam. I think that's only happened one time. But but we did it once. We did it once. And we were like, oh, sometimes they just tell jokes and they're funny. Usually when Travis is opening his mouth, I'm like, whatever. 
But if you just had a Griffin and Justin podcast with maybe some Clint, that would be a totally fine podcast. It's they did not become popular because they weren't funny. Yeah. Like they do possess like the skill of making funny comments sometimes. And so like I was really into the McElroys for like a year or two. Um and like I listened to all of the first season of Adventure Zone. I think I think the reason that I stopped listening to the McElroys generally is that I didn't like by the end, I did not care for where the Adventure Zone was ending up at the end of the first arc, and then nothing after the first arc has really caught my interest at all. But, like, I know Taco. I can describe that character to you. I Can, can you des- describe that character without using slurs? I can describe Mac... <laughs> <laughs> I can describe... Magnus. What's when... his last name? Uh, Archive. Magnus. Archive. <laughs> Burnside. Burnside, thank you. I can describe Clint's character, even though I cannot remember his name right now. Merle? Haggard. <laughs> the country singer. High Church. High Church. I genuinely thought it was Merle Haggard, and as I started saying, I'm like, no, that's just a country singer I like, but all right. Like, no, that's the guy from Streets of Rage. <laughs> anyway... I would rather be watching an Adventure Zone show. I can't believe I would say that, but I, I think an Adventure Zone show would work better. You can have gore and cussing and stuff in your fantasy thing and it not be embarrassing. That's the, that's the other thing is... um, the, the Okay. Can we talk about the little halfling man? Because I am perturbed by the little halfling man. Who I am told is played by the the... Critical Role cast member who got in hot water for doing blackface. And also has the darkest skin of anyone in the party. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why that choice was made. Yeah. Um, but it was. So, so Crit Roll Blackface Man, in the first episode, sings a song to... Because he plays a bar. He sings a song to uh, introduce all the party members with a little, like, rap interlude that is just racist <laughs> because making fun of rap music as a white person is racist and then what do, you, what do you do when you have a musical character introducing themselves and also that character has a big ego what do, what do you go for oh obviously it'll be a rap yeah and then in episode three he gets another <laughs> lengthy musical number about anal beads. If it says, if it sounds like I'm belaboring this point, it's because the music, or the show belabors this point. It there also hijacks so... the ending credits of episode three. Three? Yeah. Like the climax of, okay, yeah. The end of this chunk, the, the it hijacks the credits to just play the full song about anal beads. Pull my beads of love. Which is like specifically a, a like James Brown parody song because, oh, what do you need when you need to be like Kind of funny, kind of jokey, but also, like, music that sounds like sex music. You go to James Brown, apparently. And it's just weird that the two... that The, the, the Crit Roll Blackface guy has now done two parodies of black music that just feel icky. Just feels icky. <laughs> also, I find his character deeply unpleasant, even when he's not singing. Yeah. Just... 
It's not so bad when he's in the background silent. Yeah, if he's just on screen not speaking, that's fine. Um, also, he's hitting on the priest lady, who I kind of like. Yeah. I have no reason to kind of like her. She has no character traits. I just think she's neat. Yeah. She's played by Ashley Johnson, who is Ellie in Last of Us, among other things. Um, but yeah, I guess, as a person who had not seen Critical Role, there's just no appeal here to me. It just feels like it feels like the primary audience, and it makes sense because it was kickstarted, but it feels like the primary audience is people who already know Crit Roll. But if you already know Crit Roll, I don't know how exciting it is to you to just see a story you already know. I would re- even more slapdash than the original, like improvised or built yeah. as built. The train tracks were built as the train was moving. Like yeah. Matt Mercer plants shit ahead, sure. But, like, the nature of a tabletop game is that you are constantly, inter- like, not just building the tracks, but, like, changing the train. And, yeah. like, there's a whole character missing. If I were a Crit Roll fan, what I would want would be, like, you know how, like, Dragon Ball Z movies aren't in continuity? It's just yeah. kind of like, oh, here's Goku and Piccolo, and they go fight this character who you'll never hear of before or since, you know? I thought this would be an origin story. Yeah, I would rather have wanted... I would have, I would have wanted an origin story or, like, a side story of, like, you know... Just like, oh, here's these characters going on an adventure you haven't seen them go on before. I'm okay with them, in, like, doing this story. I, I remember the story. I don't think they're going to do a good job. I think they're going to maybe, at most, turn the first campaign into two seasons of cartoons if they get a second season, but, like, it's not going to be good enough to garner any amount of, like, recurring audience. They're not going to do the second one, you know? Also, so much of the appeal also seems tied up in... And maybe... Because this is also based on... The day the show came out, um, I was just chatting with some co-workers about, like, like... I have coworkers who are into crit role and we just kind of got to talking about like, Oh, you know, I love that voice actor. And like, there, there, there's a sizable number of people. I've known this type of person at like two different jobs now. Like I have been this person who really get invested in like voice actors who care about like voice acting and animation and like seeing, you know, their favorite voice actors are like, oh, did you know that that person is also this person? Like, you would never, like, one of the early ones that I remember this happening with is like, uh, I heard Bender and I heard Jake the dog and did not connect that that was the same voice actor. And like, oh, isn't it a cool thing to like, you know, that character that you like is played by the same person as this other character you like. That is like a thing that appeals to people. And I think that is a core appeal of this show is, like, spot the voice actor. Because, like, constantly I was like, oh, where do I know that person from? Where do I know that person from? Because it's all made by, like, 80 voice actors. And so they're like, getting think, all their friends. I don't think that the Critical Role people got to, like, show off in this. Yeah. Like, the thing that Liam O'Brien is known for in Critical Role is making himself the focus of a scene to do something sad or poetic or dramatic. 
Uh, and he kind of does that in that second episode where he goes and finds the dead children. But, like, he doesn't get a monologue mm-hmm. the way that he would just monologue if he was playing the game. Yeah. Like, the thing that you want from these characters isn't really here other than, like, Grog being dumb and loving beer. Uh, Scanlan saying sex words. But, like... Helith is <clears throat> scared. That's her thing. The thing that Scanlan can't do is his whole gimmick in combat was that he would make... He would cast spells. Every spell would come with a song parody about what was happening. But you can't just do song parodies of real-life songs in a cartoon. Mm-hmm. A tabletop is one thing. Yeah. But you can't just have him actually just do, like, a, a modern song mm-hmm. riff in their fantasy world when you're just watching a straight-up cartoon that's not, like, a tabletop yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, and... and... It's just another thing that I feel like would play better if they were, like, you know, actually alluding to the fact that um, this is a tabletop game. The most fun thing to me in this whole set of episodes was um, they they go and they have to, like, you know, they do the hat check thing and somebody's like, do you check all your weapons and just take this ticket? And the guy who's, like, checking in all their weapons is Matt Mercer. They just draw on yeah. Matt Mercer and Matt Mercer, like... Matt Mercer plays a couple, like, he plays Silas, the vampire guy, and I think he's played a couple, like, bit roles. Yes. But, um... They put his face in there. They put his face, and they put just his normal voice. It was, you know... It was just, like, he was just playing a schlubby guy. Yeah, like, when Silas is there, when the, the, the evil vampire guy is talking, he's doing, I'm Matt Mercer, and this is my evil voice, or whatever, you know? But, like, guy at the ticket check counter is like, I'm just talking. I'm just <laughs> and like and that was fun and I wish I wish that like once an episode you just see another NPC who's just like yeah that's Matt Mercer <laughs> or you see like Vex just talking Laura Bailey's normal voice yeah yeah like that would be closer to what the stream is and what that appeal is and it would be like more interesting. Like, it just leads to it really shines a spotlight on the ways that a tabletop story is not a like, yeah, straightforward narrative. Yeah. Like, you don't necessarily see when you're role playing all of the pieces that are just stock character bits that you're using to to your own ends. Mm-hmm. And this is a weird spotlight to show you, like, this is what it this is what a tabletop game really is, in like an really unflattering light. And I don't think it's supposed to be that. I don't think it wants to like make these things out to be boring. And, like, self-referential in the way that they are. Yeah. Uh, but it is, like, shining that kind of spotlight on it and accidentally making it a really unappealing storytelling medium. Well, and, like, you know, um, I used to listen to a lot of actual play. Uh, I also used to do this. I, do, I don't listen to, like, any actual play anymore. Yeah. I also don't do this. <laughs> um, and the one I was really into was Friends of the Table, where, like, I feel like... At least the seasons I listened to, which is every Hieron season, Counterweight, and Twilight Mirage. And I dipped into Partisan, but Partisan was like around the time I was falling off. Not because I think the show was getting bad, I just, my sort of interests changed, you know. And I also, I hit a point where I was like, I do not want to listen to like three hour episodes every week. And like, I don't, I, 
it seems like they're doing very well for their audience. It just wasn't my interest anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, no shade to them at all. Um, but like Twilight Mirage is like a very like personally meaningful thing to me. And like the story of Twilight Mirage means a lot to me. You know, I think like the story of Twilight Mirage is like really good in a way that like I could see how you could adapt that to um, like another medium. Like you could you could do the anime like Twilight Mirage or Counterweight series, you know, but I still think you'd have to make a lot of changes in adaptation because it is still like fundamentally an improvised story. You know, and I think if you were going to, like, adapt it, you would have to make a lot of changes because, you know, like, Twilight Mirage unfolds over, like, 75, like, lengthy improvised episodes, um, and, like, you know, Friends of the Table also has the advantage of a critical role where they're recording this and then doing a lot of post-production Whereas Critical Role is doing everything live, which I think probably makes it harder to adapt because you can't be as choosy with what shows up in the final product as Friends of the Table is, you know, or the or the Adventures of is. They're very different because like they offer Critical Role as a podcast. It's not meant to be a podcast. Mm-hmm. It is there is so much like visual humor or like visual like role playing at the table that I don't understand how anyone would just listen to the audio and, like, still have the full, hmm. like, feel. Do you think you've experienced a, a stream on your fucking phone? <clears throat> no. But, like, also, a big chunk of Friends at the Table is them just talking explicitly about themes, about intents and characters, yeah. in a way that doesn't get to go in, onto the screen. Yeah. So, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Like, you have conversations to clarify the story within the story in a tabletop game that don't exist in a book. Um, but yeah, I just think like you have to be more willing to like make changes in adaptation and, and well, and they decided to cut out two arcs so that they could hightail it to the vampires. I just don't understand any of the changes that they've made in the adaptation because none of none of the the. It just feels so... You said theme park ride, and I think we hit on a lot of it. But the other thing about the way that it feels theme park ride is it feels like we're just getting from point to point to point to point to point to point. Like, plot, 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 plot. Here's, like, some funny character lines. There's um, no... So they take an airship out to where the dragon is. Yeah. And then they walk back. Yeah. But they, there's no, like, weight to that. And they just show up as a punchline when somebody's talking about them. And there's no, like, consideration for time passing mm-hmm. or, like, how to get from one place to another. Which is, like, a weirdly big part of that show is, like, okay, we're teleporting here. If it's noon here, then this is kind of, like, three quarters around the planet from there. So, like, we got to think about, okay, so it's probably early morning now and, and like, thinking about time in that way. Especially in later levels and stuff. But here it's like, we just need to make the plot happen, so we're just going to teleport back and, like, not worry about it, because it doesn't matter. There's no timing. There's there's no, like, stakes here. We just need to get through this stuff so we can keep going and going and going. If you're going to have seven characters, and they're, like, 
if you're going to have seven characters, then I think you need to be like, you know what? First three episodes are going to be drinking. They get a they get a quest, you know, and then they're on the airship to the quest, and they have like a couple hours of downtime. I think you need to use that downtime to like have a couple character conversations, just so I can get to know any of these people a little better. Well, they do that in this show, but they each last about four seconds. Yeah, <clears throat> I I I think the show would probably function better. If, like, all of... If episode one is hijinks, and episode two is, like, hey, we're going to the place, you know, let's do an entire episode of just people talking to each other. Because if you're a Crit Roll fan, you probably enjoy the characters talking to each other. And if you're not a Crit Roll fan, then that's how you get to meet these people. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I just felt like I didn't get to meet any of these seven fucking characters. Cut down from eight because there's the guy who was written out. Yeah. <clears throat> Originally, there was also a dragonborn sorcerer mm-hmm. on their party, and now they just don't have a dedicated mage. They have a druid and a cleric, but like that's not the same. That's not a wizard. Mm-hmm. There was even more to wrap your head around originally, but the first thing that happened in the stream was that they were in a dungeon and they were doing dungeon stuff and they were fighting. They were introducing their characters through their mechanics and, like, through a handful of, like, exchanges until they got to, like, NPCs. Mm -hmm. So you had these ideas of, through actions, what those characters were like before they were able to really, like, roleplay a lot. Mm -hmm. But you had things like, okay, Grog loves to just get mad because he's a barbarian. He rages and he smashes things really good and then he and Pike share some kind of joke because they're like, they're real close friends. Mm-hmm. And she's like taking care of him because he's reckless. And they express this through combat rather than like, not at all. I was invested in this story a lot back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. It just feels like none of that shines through. Like all of that sounds kind of fun. I'm not going to go watch Critical Role, but I, under- no. I understand the appeal of Critical Role. I understand why people watch those streams and listen to that podcast. I don't understand who this show is for. It feels like it is not serving. This is what I tweeted last night. Because also, you know, I, I was talking to a friend at work who was like, they were telling me, they're like, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to that show. I think it'll be fun, but I'm more invested in the new streams every week. Like my friend just told me, they were like, I, and they're a huge Crit Roll fan. They've got a free Crit Roll tattoo, I'm pretty sure. But they were like, oh yeah, I think that's mostly going to be for new people. I want to see like what's happening this week on they Crit They just Roll. started the third campaign. Yeah. Like I, a month or two ago. Maybe a little more than that. But it's pretty recent. And, and like two friends of mine mm-hmm. at work who are Crit Roll fans are like really invested in this season, apparently. like They're, they're like, oh, sure. this is a really good season this so far. Blackface guy is playing on Binary Robot. Oh right, is this uh, is this the therapy cleric guy? Yeah, uh, I think. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just gonna say this sentence like all. I'm just gonna say this sentence. Crit roll blackface guy plays a non-binary robot therapist. Let me double check that. 
I'm pretty sure that's all true. Um, but yeah, like, my friend was just telling me, like, they're excited for the show, but they think it's mostly going to be for new people, and they're just going to kind of watch because they just like crit rolls, and they're going to, you know, it's not the most exciting thing on their radar, you know? So it's not, the, the it doesn't feel like, or, you know, the most hardcore crit roll fans are, like, super excited for this. They're looking forward to it, but it doesn't sound like they're hyped for this. And to me, a person who's, you know, I would assume that if you're going to make the TV show and put it on Amazon, like, I am, like, the sort of core audience of, like, oh, people who are aware of Crit Roll but don't want to listen to 400 hours of podcasts. And I got nothing out of this. Even if I, even if I was trying to, like, I'm sort of predisposed to liking, I'm predisposed to disliking Crit Roll because of, like, discourse and my own just you know general crotchetiness towards like things that are popular even i if i try to like set it aside i just cannot see what the appeal is it's just it's just very juvenile sex humor and, and rope fantasy plots yeah first cut grass is the uh automaton cleric played by sam regal in uh, the third season I'm going to go have Cleric a Cleric of the Empathy Domain. <laughs> Cleric of the Empathy Domain. Fuck you. They're two years old. Fuck you. Anyway. <clears throat> Do you, how did you feel about the gay representation in this show? Oh, yeah. Also, okay. So, uh, the gay representation also felt homophobic. Yeah, that's not what I thought Gilmore was like. They kind of just put it in an over-the-top drag queeny faggy. I mean, guy. he does kind of speak like that because it's Matt Mercer doing this voice. But like, the I was not expecting, like, I don't know. Is Matt Mercer gay? No. Is Matt Mercer bi? No. Not that those are mutually exclusive, but you know what I mean. I don't think so. I just. It felt icky to me. It, it felt I don't like, know that Matt Mercer plays that character in this. Obviously. I know. It just felt but. icky to me. It just felt like, you know, it felt icky. Okay. <laughs> That's all. That's all um, I got. Gilmore is a fan favorite. People love when Matt does his um, overdramatic voice to flirt with Liam O'Brien. You should turn off the radiator. Thank you. I marked that so we can cut this if we want, but it's not that big a deal. How do you feel about Trinket? Uh, made no impression on me. Damn. It's just a bear, dude. I... I... love when adventuring parties have animal companions... The bear is in, like, three shots. The bear yeah, eats a guy. Just like in the tabletop game, having an animal companion is actually kind of a pain. Yeah. And so they just leave Trinket outside most of the time. Yeah. The bear is barely in the show. Eventually they get a Pokeball for him. So that they can just take him everywhere. <laughs> That's stupid, but good, actually. It's probably how you should just handle that. It's like, oh, I'm just gonna put the 
also the all of the like weird references to the show or tabletop humor are just like not hitting. Like in the show, they have earrings that when they touch them, they can talk to each other so that they can communicate. And they'll say Jenga into the earring as they're starting to like something's popping out. I'm doing something. Cover me, mm-hmm. you know. But of course, here they can't say Jenga. That's a copyrighted term. They have to say Chenga. Stupid. The murder hobos. That's the name of a of a band of mercenaries mentioned in this just just series. I'm putting one more tally in my kind of problematic column. It's a it's it's a storied phrase. I know it's, you can't. I know, but you can't. It's using using the word hobos and specifically yes. haha isn't it um funny to say hobos has to me the same sort of like tenor as using the arsler in like 2010 when it's like it you should know by now <laughs> You are right, but you're also like the, the that is something that is far too entrenched. I feel like to like I just, convince people to stop saying. I just feel <laughs> I just feel like by five years from now, you know, you know, when you go back and you listen to old episodes of a podcast, and you're like, wow, they really say the arsler a lot. I feel like five years from now, like. Hobos is going to be in that same category. Like, wow, they make a lot of jokes about that. Like, I just think, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure that's a pre-internet tabletop gaming. Like, oh yeah, no, thing. no, like, absolutely, it is, it is absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I just like, I don't know. Um, I, you know, without, I don't want to get into like the specifics, but was in a situation the last couple of days where I was speaking to somebody who like very much just like hates homeless people, like thinks homeless people should just like pull themselves up by their bootstraps and get a job, you know, even though this person is like, you know, at least nominally like woke to a lot of like social issues is like, you know, uh, black lives matter, trans rights or human rights knows all the slogans, you know, sometimes says things that I think are, like, not okay, but, like, mostly is, like, quote-unquote woke. But I think even, like, a lot of woke people, like, are still just, like, think it is funny and socially acceptable to actively just openly hate homeless people. And I think, like, I think, one, that is not okay now. And I think five years from now, the culture is going to be in a place where no one thinks that is okay. You know? Mm. Like, I, I, in the way that, like, in 2010, most of the culture was like, oh, you can't say the arsler, but there were still people who were saying it all the time. And there are still people who say it all the time now, but, you know, those people are not, that is the sort of thing that gets you not welcome on our, you know, part of the discourse. The, the, like, if, if, mm. if I know someone who just says the arsler, I just don't speak to them, ever, you know? Mm. So... I think I think murder hobos is equally like problematic to that in my mind. Sorry to 
derail for five minutes and just go on about this. Mm -hmm. Do we have more Vox Machina thoughts? Um, do, who's your favorite character? Pike. What, do you think you could guess any of the characters' alignments? I think she's neutral good. I think... Okay. Give me a character's name. Vaxelvon. Um... Chaotic good. Vexalia. Chaotic good. Grawlinger. Chaotic good. Pike. Good. Neutral good. Yeah, neutral good. Lua. Chaotic good. Percy. Chaotic good. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like chaotic good is the, like, wearing a white t-shirt of being in D&D. <laughs> like, I feel like chaotic good is the sort of, like, default alignment of any D&D character. <laughs> Not chaotic neutral? I think all these people's actions is actually chaotic neutral. But I think they would all self-profess, like, oh no, I'm a good person. Okay. Character alignments. This is from Crit Roll Stat. Yeah. Where I get all my numbers from. Okay. Vaxelbon. Chaotic good. This is the end of episode 46. Okay. If that matters to you. Okay. So we're in the next arc. This is post Briarwoods. Yeah. Uh, Vaxelbon. Chaotic good. Pike. Chaotic good. Grog. Chaotic neutral. Percy. Neutral good. Keyleth. Neutral good. Scanlan. Chaotic good. Vaxelbon. Chaotic neutral. But was neutral good until now. Tiberius, don't fucking worry about it. Tiberius was a race term existence. <laughs> oh, is that the Dragonborn? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> he got downgraded from chaotic good to chaotic neutral right before they kicked him off the show. He's the one who would spend like 20 minutes shopping every episode. Mm. And annoying people. He was trying to do engineering stunts using D&D mechanics. Like, if I buy this, this, and this, and tie this together like this, can I create this kind of device? And everyone was like, shut the fuck okay, up, we're playing okay. a video game. Real quick, real quick, I have to <coughs> I don't want to sound like I'm singing the praises of the fucking Adventure Zone right now. Okay, not. good intro. Does crit roll... <coughs> Does Crit Roll generally, or more specifically the Vox Machina campaign, does it have any moment as iconic as Taco getting the Flaming Raging Porting Sword of Doom? <laughs> does it have anything like that? Does it have, like, the fan moment that everyone's like, oh, man, we, you know, even me, a person who does not like the Adventure Zone anymore, is like, it's pretty fucking funny when Taco gets the Flaming Raging Porting Sword of Doom. Oh, I forgot how we got that. Yeah. Um... I mean, I was watching this episode and the encounter with Vax and the Briarwoods. Like, I remember this. I remember this specific encounter because it happened differently in the in the show because they were like, <clears throat> it was like a whole other context. But like, yeah, there's things like, I mean, there's a couple of different versions of this. There's, hey, you remember that time Keyleth killed the kid? 
which comes up all the time. Marisha hates it because she felt really bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But one time, Caleb accidentally killed a kid, and then Pike had to bring them back to life. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give them one thing. That's a little funnier. And you know what? No, it's not. I was going to say, that's... I was going to say that's even funnier than razzing Hadrian about the time he killed a skeleton, but no, it's not. G giving Hadrian shit for that time he killed a skeleton is so good. <laughs> Hadrian just killed that guy. I mean, there was also, like, a lot of people hated Marisha Wright's character and thought that she did a bad job playing the game and were very vocal about that at the time. Um... There's also a lot of Percy stuff. There's a lot of Vax stuff because those are the dramatic, like, sad tragedy boys. Yeah, it felt like it felt like Vax, Vex, and Percy were going to be the main characters. Yeah, because like Travis is not the type of player to put his character forward. Mm -hmm. He's there to have a good time along the way, but he's not out here role playing like that. Mm -hmm. um, so he does have his moments and he does have his plots, but like. Those are mostly, like, Matt giving those to him rather than him, like, doing something to provoke the story. Mm. <clears throat> um, there's things like, like I mentioned the Chroma Conclave. I was talking when we were watching the show, like, oh, you know, this is a pretty nice city. It would be suck if, like, huge, massive dragons came through and ruined the whole city mm -hmm. and started a whole new arc about, like, living in the shadow of these dragon overlords. Mm -hmm. That would be really rough on those characters. But that moment hits in the streams because it's like they've been mopping the floor with combat encounters for several sessions, and suddenly they're like, oh, I, I, does a 24 hit? No. Oh, well, shit. Like, this is a new tier of things that they have to contend with, and it's a whole different mm -hmm. thing. <clears throat> Like, that framework doesn't really work in a cartoon, though. No. It's not going to be like, oh, we can't hit him. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, the, the way that, like... The way that, like, tabletop stuff handles combat is so different from how you handle combat in any other storytelling medium. I don't have, like, any feeling about if that is good or bad. Like, it is just, like, like, it's just different, you know? Um, it's, it, I will say, the way that games handle combat, because I think that, like, video games and tabletop games sure. handle, like, two people fighting so differently than, like, any movie would. That, like, adapting it always makes it weird, I think. This is, like... You know, this is Freddie Prince Jr. talking about how video games kind of ruined Star Wars. This is why, in that scene where Vax is fighting the vampire, the vampire just keeps attacking him over and over again and not killing him. Uh -huh. Because it's like, well, this is how a fight goes in D&D. Right. <clears throat> and he, like, chomps him. He jumps out the window. And he, like, slashes at him. He punches him. And it's just like, okay, we're just still doing this. Whereas, like, other things I would assume, like, you can take the story of a fight in D&D &D and adapt it into an action scene. And hit the moments like, okay, 
I want to keep the part where this guy did this cool thing and this guy did this cool thing. And otherwise, we're just going to, like, make it more dynamic. We're going to make it an action scene where they're doing this. But we just have to hit the beats of, you know, Pike's going to boost the arrow and Scanlan is going to throw Grog. Although in this, I think he throws Vax with his hand spell. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're going to hit those things and we're going to make it an action scene. And that part where they're killing the dragon... It works. It's not the most like elaborate thing, but it works. It turns that combat into like an action scene. Yeah. Whereas otherwise you see Vax standing next to Briarwood just getting owned and it's like, okay, I you're not doing a good job of translating the tension from that scene was Vax is alone, we're in initiative, every move matters way more. So we have to, like, okay, what do I have in my tools mm-hmm. that I can use to survive this encounter with the boss of this arc, who I've accidentally picked a fight with? Yeah. And that turns into, like, every foot that you move on the... on the. They usually have very nice maps. Every, like, space you move and every, like, action you take matters in that moment because you're like, okay, I need to make sure that I can, like, deal with this. Mm. That's not present in this cartoon at all because it's not an initiative based cartoon you know it's just a cartoon yeah so they completely failed to capture that tension and then other things that don't work are like percy's mask or percy puts on this mask to intimidate people sometimes but here it's like a really weird yeah paced moment well and there's no at the start of episode three Percy gets out of bed and you see, oh, he's got a weird mask. And the shot like lingers to like highlight, oh, he's got this weird mask. What is that? But then at the end of the episode, he puts it on. There's no sense of. There's the foreshadowing in this show in general just is bad. I think means something if you're playing the game. It doesn't mean something in this cartoon because it doesn't exist yet. Like, that context yeah. doesn't exist yet. Yeah. So it's just him putting on a mask. And, like, if you wanted it to be spooky, like, the thing that it represents is him becoming this different facet of himself that mm-hmm. is obsessed with vengeance and is obsessed with, like, like killing and violence to get what he wants. And, like, is related to the shadowy influence around him when he's, you know, doing this stuff. If you want to evoke that in a cartoon, you should just have it manifest out of that smoke in that moment. Yeah. Not have him put the mask on. I know that there's a difference between putting something on yourself and having it manifest narratively, but for this medium, it doesn't work for you to reach into your pocket and pull out the mask. Yeah. In the same way that you can kind of overlook that weirdness in a tabletop in the moment because your focus is on what he's saying. Well, and like, the other, the other thing, the other thing that hit me with this was like, in the first part of episode one, there's a guy they talk to who transforms into a dragon later. You know, you don't know he's a dragon at first. David Tennant. Yeah, David Tennant's character is going to transform into a dragon. I have a really funny story about David Tennant. David Tennant's character that I'll tell in just a second. Um, but but so, um. Vex gets headaches when she's near dragons. She has like a spider sense for dragons that gives her headaches, basically. 
And so she's talking to this character who is later going to reveal himself to be a dragon. And she gets a headache. And it, then, five, ten minutes later, they go and fight a dragon, and she gets another headache. And then after the fight, she's like, I get headaches when I talk to dragons. You know? And I, I had one of these earlier. I think one, someone on the council is a dragon. But that is just bad storytelling to have something happen twice unexplained and unremarked upon. Just like, oh, Vex is having another headache. Wonder what that's about. But also she talks to Vex on the airship about it. Like she already knows. Yeah. But then when they fight the dragon, that's the first dragon they fought. Yeah. So how does she know? It, it, seemed, it, it seemed ambiguous. Like they couldn't figure out how to translate the ranger's favorite enemy into the narrative of the cartoon. And I think it's not that hard. Yeah. There's like... It is like... She gets these headaches, and me, a person who doesn't know what's going on, I'm just like, why does she get the headaches? Oh, I guess we're not going to talk about that right now. And so it just kind of like falls I, I assumed that was her failing a will save against a detect thoughts, which mm -hmm. is a thing that happens in that stream a lot, is mind-reading spells and other, like, you know, forms of like, learning about characters and learning about the world. Like, I assumed that that shady guy was just scanning her brain to, like, you know, spy on her. It's, it, it didn't even occur to me that it would be the dragon sense. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to, like, build up this mystery of why does Vex keep getting headaches? What is this mask that Percy has? But, like, it just doesn't work. And it feels like very basic storytelling stuff of, like, like yeah. you should show the mask. And then you should have, like, Percy be, like, have a conversation with another character he's, like, where he maybe hints at the mask and hints, like, ooh, sometimes, like, like he talks vaguely about it and then you actually see him put on the mask. But stuff just happens and then is unremarked upon and so it falls out of my brain. But you can't put the mask on during an action scene. You can't. Yeah, you cannot reach into your back pocket and in your produce. coat pocket. Yeah, in your jacket pocket, not the inside jacket. Outside, like a coat, like a raincoat. Yeah, and produce a mask, a, a plague doctor mask. It's silly. It's, it just looks yeah. silly. It would have been way cooler if it tokued the mask onto his face. And I just, I didn't, I didn't understand it. I'd kind of forgotten about it. I think it's supposed to be mysterious, but it's just like because no one talks about it. Because we have to have all the time for the anal beads jokes. Like, no one's talking about the story that's happening. They're just making jokes all the time. <laughs> anyway. I didn't, I thought we were going to get 15 minutes out of talking about this. So, kudos to us for hitting an hour, I guess. On fucking yeah. Vox Machina talk. Which I thought I, thought I was going to show up and be like, well, that was awful. Anyway, I watched Arrow this week. <laughs> but no, like, I think we had a good conversation about it. I think this endeavor was might have been doomed from the start. I do not want to watch more of the show, but I might do it because I love you. And you want to see how no, it goes? No, I just love and support you, my wife. You are very precious to me, and you are going to watch the rest of the show, so I may end up watching the rest of it with you. But, you know, okay, I'm going to knock on wood. If you died tomorrow... I would not watch any more Vox Machina. You want me to die? No. Knock on wood? <laughs> no, knock You're on wood. You're hoping. Chunk, chunk. Knock on wood that you don't die. <laughs> Ever. But if you, if you 
dropped dead tomorrow. Would you finish it out of like no. my memory? No. Like Nora would have wanted no. me to finish this. No. Okay, okay. What's if, the thing you would finish if I died? <laughs> if you're like, Nora would have wanted me to finish this. I would take that lair disc off the shelf and I would play through lair. <laughs> I would play through Infamous 2. Not any of the games that I just told you were really fucking good. What are what are like Sable or the Forgotten City? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I would play Halo. I would watch Twin Peaks if you died. You would watch Twin Peaks if I died. That would be my morning project. That is the only circumstance where you would watch <laughs> Twin Peaks. <laughs> I don't is... think I'm gonna like it that much, but I would you know. What what is what's my alternative? Reading Full Metal Alchemist, I guess? Yeah. Twin Peaks Twin Peaks and Full Metal Alchemist, that's my personality. That's all you gotta do. Um, I would watch every Bergman and every Lynch film. I haven't seen every Bergman or Lynch film. Um, I would watch all of the movies on your shelf and read all the books on your shelf. That's what I think. You know what? If you died, yeah. <laughs> if you died, I would. Um, this is such a morbid topic, but I, I think it's cute. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, I would find a way, I would do a Kickstarter. I would, like, you know, mm-hmm. rob a bank. I would hit up strangers for money. I guess that is what a Kickstarter is. Anyway. All three of those are kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Robbing a bank is hitting up a stranger for money. <laughs> and I would I would buy plane tickets for all our friends. Everybody. I, I would get, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Everybody. To, literally everybody. To? To come here. Uh-huh. No, no. I would rent the music box, that music, that that really nice movie theater, mm-hmm. and they let you rent things. And they have like a theater that is like seats seventy people. So I would get that space, and I would buy everybody plane tickets, and we would watch Dragon Ball Evolution, <laughs> <laughs> and then we would bury you. <laughs> Damn. We would watch. We would bury you, and then go watch Dragon Ball Evolution at the music box. That is how. Failing that. That's the movie that you associate with me more than like Star Wars is Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> no, no, no. Because, because you and I watch Star Wars on Christmas every yeah. year. So, like, my new holiday thing would be like, I'm going to sit alone at home and watch Dragon Star Wars. No, no. Every year on Christmas, I would, I would, you know, watch Star Wars by myself and I would be sad. And I would, <laughs> I would buy a uh, Dr Pepper, and I would pour it in the sink for you. <laughs> I, I would pour out a Dr Pepper for you, and I would watch Star Wars. But that—that's you know my annual sort of remembering. Nor I assume I would remember you more than once a year. But that is yeah, like I hope so. But that is like my version of that is going to have shitty coffee at a like an IHOP or something. <laughs> but my funeral for you would be. Everybody gets together to watch Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> Thank you. I love that it's not even a movie we've seen together. It's not Van Helsing or Star Wars. It's not anything that... You know what? Van Helsing is the correct choice. <laughs> the other thing about Dragon Ball Evolution is that I hate that movie. And so, like, like if we wa- if I went, got, went to the music box and got all our friends and we watched fucking Van Helsing, I would, you know... I'd be like, yeah, Van Helsing, that movie I love with Nora. Like, 
Dragon Ball Evolution is like, no, I'm going to do one last thing for Nora. So much of our relationship is defined by me watching shit I didn't wow. know watch. Wow. <laughs> and my one last thing is that I'm going to watch fucking Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> if I died, who would you replace on Pop Town with me? Uh, or who would you replace me with, I meant. Who can I get is the problem. Because of scheduling. Like, I feel like... You know what? M won't have to do Goth Gotham anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking either M or Olivia. <laughs> were my first two picks. Yeah. M will have one free podcast. <laughs> you know, there's that time I know slot. That M enjoys the gamified gimmick, mm -hmm. and Olivia is just fun to podcast with. Mm -hmm. So, M not fun to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Olivia hates gimmicks. If you died, um, I don't think I would have it in me to keep doing Arcanum. Mm -hmm. You know, I like, you know. I, I think if you died, like, I just would not have the heart anymore to keep doing Arcanum. Brandon's not worth that. Um, and so Mark and I would start a Code Geass podcast. <laughs> In your memory. I don't think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think Mark would go for that. <laughs> Mark, if Nora dies, you have to do a Code Geass podcast with me. I'm sorry. You don't have to do that. <laughs> the two, you can just watch... Anime. Yeah, Code Geass, the anime. And I would watch that DVD, and every week I would think I need to get a Blu-ray of this, but then I would remember, no, that's Nora's DVD, so I would watch it. It's only the first half of season one. Well, then we're over to a very short podcast. <laughs> <laughs> would it really be a critical role-focused episode if we didn't start contemplating our immortality at the end? <laughs> um... Anything else about Vox Machina, or do I want to? Do you want me to read our one email? Yeah, hit me with the email. Do you want me to talk about Arrow at all? I was gonna save it for Gotham, but save I save can... it for Gotham. Yeah, okay. This one comes in from Regs, who says, "Are the voices in Vox Machina good? You probably expect so, but I remember them being remarkably hammy in the actual play, and I have no idea whether that would land on the show. I wish they were hammier. You know." Mm -hmm. They're kind of just doing, they're all professional voice actors, and they're doing, like, professional voice acting work. I kind of wish they were going a little broader, a little goofier. Like, Percy being the fancy lad, mm -hmm. and Vax being this, like, grim guy, don't really work outside of the actual play. Because that's just, like, a stock character, like you said. It doesn't, it doesn't have those momentary asides... It doesn't have that at-the-table, like, body language. It doesn't have, the like, jokes that don't make it into the cartoon where you're like, oh, you know, offhand comment about my character acting a certain way. Like, there's no portrayal of these characters in that way that is, like, meaningful because they have so few lines to express. Mm -hmm. Vax is a person who cares a lot about children and gets sad all the time. 
I wish the I wish the writing was toned down, and I wish the voice acting was like a little like chewing the scenery a little bit more. Like I wish there were I wish there were fewer jokes in the writing and more jokes in the acting. You know. Yeah. That's what I want. So um, no, they're not good. Yeah. I'm gonna. I didn't tweet about. Did I tweet about it? I don't know. I don't have my phone on me, and I was like, oh, there it is. Not a text message. A text message? Is it from Matthew Mercer? No. I think that's it for this episode. <clears throat> I should maybe pull up the inbox just to see if I got one and didn't get a notification, but. Autumn. Yeah. Where can people find you online? Um, you can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can find all the podcasts that we do at exportodd.io. There on the main page of the Patreon, you can get links to all the free feeds, or you can give us a dollar a month, and you can get uh, early access to many of the podcasts, such as Gotham City Limits or Ars Arcanum. Or for $5 a month, you can get access to Pop Town Funk, which is more of this, but with a little bit of a gimmick. We got an email from M the last time we were going to record this podcast. Oh, yeah, we did. M says, I know we're all dying from lack of Ruby, but Red versus Blue or Gemlock is right there. Hell, we could have gotten their newbie crew back together for those under dubious topicality. Hope you enjoyed it? What's, oh, this was, what's this... Export's Amazon sellout number? This, this is a Vox Machina email. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. That's what I said. Oh, okay. Um, man, like literally once a day for the past two weeks, I just think, where's Ruby at, man? Where is Ruby at? I just noticed the other night I was looking at HBO and remembered that Genlock season two is on there. I'll watch that. I liked that first season quite a bit. I've heard that second season is dead, not good. I just... Every episode of Newbie, we complain about Ruby. We're always complaining about Ruby. But we also love Ruby. You know what I would enjoy? You know what I would really enjoy? Ruby? I would enjoy <clears throat> a tabletop live stream show where the four voice actresses are playing the Ruby characters. What about a tabletop live stream show about... Other Rooster Teeth people playing their OCs in Ruby because that exists. No, I don't want that. I want the. I want. I want Team Ruby. I'm gonna say something controversial. I would like a, a Ruby show that is centered on Team Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> Rooster Teeth refuses to give this to me, but if I believe hard enough, they they could make a show. About the four characters whose names are in the title. <laughs> what if instead they, you got a stream of fiasco that was a red versus blue story? What if I got a stream of fiasco that was Ruby, Weiss, Blake, and Yang? <laughs> they could get Matt Mercer to DM it. I don't give a shit. Why would they do that? Publicity. Is there any new Destiny subclass? Oh, that makes sense. They would add a new Darkness subclass to go with the Stasis. 
Because there's three light subclasses. Oh, they might be adding a poison subclass to Destiny 2 for the... That sounds cool. If you scroll down in the article, it says subclasses are only on PS5. That's not true. Only on PS5. That's not true. Anyway. That would be cool. Let's say this headline is like clickbaity, but it's talking about a potential toxic class, which would be a cool manifestation of darkness besides just the stasis uh, ice. Oh, well, someday it sounds. We got um, a question from Nia who just DM'd it to me um, because I was telling her there's vampires in the show and they're not even sexy. Um, Nia says, please explain how their attempts at making the vampires sexy failed and what they could have done to make them actually hot. Also, would it actually be worse if the vampires were hot because now you would find a part of the series appealing? <laughs> um, they're not doing anything, they're not doing anything like different from most vampire characters. I just, it, the, these vampire characters are Matt Mercer and, um, a posh lady looking for a third, basically. That is the energy of these two, is that they're a straight couple looking looking to experiment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's kind of the vibe that he gave them in the in the stream as well. <laughs> and it is they try to like sexually menace Vax at one point, it doesn't play. As a as a person who wants to be sexually menaced by a vampire? I was gonna. I was gonna make. A, I was gonna make a really bad joke. You want to hear the bad joke I was gonna do? Okay. As a person who's a sucker for vampires, I guess I'm gonna start watching Twin Peaks pretty soon. <laughs> uh, You're about to be careful. <laughs> I'm about to be dead. <laughs> no one thinks that's as funny as you do. No one else. You do. <laughs> I said no one else thinks this is funny as we do. Oh, so yeah. You. No, we. Um, yeah, I don't know what they could have done to make them sexier. Matt Mercer is kind of fundamentally unsexy to me, so yeah. there's that. That's um, true. They should have renamed that Overwatch character to Mercer. No. <laughs> that would just be doing the same thing again. <laughs> Well, then you just have to count. Then you just have to count on Matt Mercer never sexually harassing people, which it seems, as far as I know, he's doing fine at that so far. Anyway, <laughs> I guess they literally did say, "Yeah, we're never going to name characters after employees ever again." Sorry. The everybody. animation and character designs do not allow the vampires to be sexy. Yeah, that's the thing. the The animation on this show. Just, it's not bad. It's purely function. It's purely function. It looks like, like, I think Castlevania, Netflix Castlevania, looks way better than this. Does this style, but looks like very, like, not very high budget, but looks a lot higher budgeted than this show. Looks a little more lavish, looks a little more detailed, a little more lush, a little more, like, Hey, there's three characters in this show. <laughs> there's there's more movement. There's more. There's just a little more everything. In this show, it's kind of like it gets the job done, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh. But also, you want to talk about a show with some sexy vampires? Let me introduce you to my husband, Vlad Dracula from Netflix Castlevania. 
Also, this show, every person just has their one thing. Keyleth does vines. Yeah. And storms. Yeah. And, oh, just like Keyleth to zap the lightning dragon with electricity. Because she's always, like, you know, doing stuff like that. Experimenting with spells and stuff. Netflix Castlevania was so brave because at the end of season two, they killed me. They killed my favorite sexy <laughs> vampire. Well, yes, they did kill me. They killed my favorite sexy vampire dad guy. Um, and they were like, damn, how do we like go into season three without Dracula? Well, it's not quite the same. But what if we gave you a harem of four sexy Draculas? <laughs> They're all women. And one of them is into some very problematic sex. <laughs> we should watch that last season. We should watch, yeah, we should. I really like Netflix Castlevania. I think it's great. I like Castlevania. I like when people think about Castlevania. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else is doing it. Yeah. They're um, not going to make another Castlevania game. They will someday. Somebody will make a Castlevania video game. It's never going to happen. Just watch. Listen, Somebody's going to buy Konami or some shit. Yeah, listen, I... There's been a lot of news and a lot of discourse about, you know... Microsoft bought Bethesda, they bought Activision, Sony bought Bungie, etc. Consolidation is the games market collapsing, etc. That's all bad. I'm not saying that's not bad. What I am saying is that I would appreciate if Sony went ahead and bought Konami like they've been rumored to for years, because I would appreciate if somebody made Konami games again. They don't have to be good. It's just weird that we've gone so long without a Silent Hill or a Castlevania. Or a Yu-Gi-Oh! Or a Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, they just made a new Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, Hearthstone. Oh, shit, that sounds good. Yeah. Luke was talking it up on Hogan Prize. It sounds good. Well. It sounds like the thing that I've wanted them to make for years, and I'm not going to play it. This has been fun. Yeah. Uh, we got more out of this than I thought we would. A lot more. Uh, Autumn already did their plugs. Yeah. You going to do your plugs? Uh, you can find all of my plugs in my butt of love. Hey, what if we did a new podcast sign-off? Like what? And until next time, you'll be careful. I'll be dead? <laughs> anyway. You can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora. Find stuff I do at NoraBlake.online. Support the podcast with money and you get stuff. You get prizes. And the yes. prizes are more podcasts. Yeah. Um, you already know all that. Also, if anybody can um, hook me up with that $11 million gold cube in Central Park, um, uh, I'll set up a P.O. box if you want to just... What are you going to do with a cube? I'm going to melt it down and sell the gold. What the fuck do you think I'm going to do? How are you going to melt it down? I will... Listen, I'll have a cube worth $11 million. I'm sure I can find somebody for the price of like a million dollars to help me with getting the gold out of the cube. I'm sure that with 11 million, with something worth $11 million, I could probably find somebody to pay to help me turn that into liquid assets. Pardon the pun. Anal bead song. That, that gold cube is kind of like a 401k. What? It, it's theoretically... 101 carats? It's theoretically got a bunch of money in there, but you gotta like work for it to get it 
to get that money. Bye, everybody. Take a chance, roll the dice.